Section 32 of The Obscure Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Chapter 17. Obscure Contemplation is Secret. By the Secret Ladder Disguised. I have three things to explain in reference to the three words of this line, two of them, secret and ladder, belong to the obscure night of contemplation, of which I am speaking, and the third, disguised, belongs to the way of the soul therein. As to the first, the soul calls the obscure contemplation, by which it goes forth to the union of love, a secret ladder, and that because of two characteristics of it. First, this obscure contemplation is called secret, because it is, as I have said before, the mystical theology which divines call secret wisdom, and which, according to St. Thomas, is infused into the soul most especially by love, in a secret hidden way in which the natural operations of the intellect and the other faculties have no share. And because the faculties of the soul cannot compass it, it being the Holy Ghost who infuses it, as the bride saith in the canticle, in an unknown way, we call it secret. And, in truth, it is not the soul only that is ignorant here, but every one else, even the devil, because the master who now touches the soul dwells substantially within it. This is not the only reason why it is called secret, for it is secret also in its effects. It is not only secret beyond the powers of the soul to speak of it, during the darkness and sharpness of purgation, when the secret wisdom purifies the soul, but afterwards also, during the illumination, when the wisdom is most clearly communicated, it is so secret that it cannot be discerned or described. Moreover, the soul has no wish to speak of it, and besides, it can discover no way or similitude to describe it by, so as to make known so profound an intelligence, so delicate an infused spiritual impression. Yea, and if it could have a wish to speak of it, and find terms to describe it, it would always remain secret still. This interior wisdom, so simple, general, and spiritual, enters not into an intellect entangled and covered over by any forms or images subject to sense, as is sometimes the case, and therefore the imagination and the senses, as it has not entered in by them, nor is modified by them, cannot account for it, nor any form of conception of it, so as to speak in any degrees correctly about it, though the soul be distinctly conscious that it feels and tastes this sweet and strange wisdom. The soul is like a man who sees an object for the first time, the like of which he has never seen before. He handles it and feels it, yet he cannot say what it is, or tell its name, do what he can, though it may be at the same time an object cognizable by the senses. How much less can we describe that which does not enter in by the senses? Such is the nature of the divine language, that the more interior, infused, and spiritual it is, the more it transcends all human intelligence. The powers of the senses, interior and exterior, cease, and their harmonies become mute. The holy writings supply both proofs and illustrations of this principle. Jeremiah shows the impossibility of revealing and expressing the words of God. 
for when God had spoken to him, he knew not what to say, except, Ah, 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 Lord God. Moses also is an instance of the interior impossibility, that is, of the interior imaginative sense, and of the exterior also at the same time. For when God spoke to him out of the bush, he was not only more incapable of speaking than before, but was so terrified that he durst not behold, that is, the imagination itself became weak and silent. The wisdom of contemplation is the language of God addressed to the soul, purely spiritual, and the senses are not spiritual, so they do not perceive it, and so it remains a secret from them. They cannot understand it, nor explain it. This explains why some persons, walking in this way, good and timid souls, who, when they would give an account of their interior state to their directors, know not how to do it. Neither have they the power to do it, and so feel a great repugnance to explain themselves, especially when contemplation is the more simple, and with difficulty discernible by them. All they can say is that their soul is satisfied, calm or contented, that they have a feeling of God, that all goes well with them, as they think. But they cannot explain their state except by general expressions like these. But it is a different matter when they have a consciousness of particular things, such as visions, impressions, and the like. These in general are communicated under some species, and the senses participate in them. In that case they are able to describe them. But it is not in the nature of pure contemplation that it can be described, for it can scarcely be spoken of in words, and therefore we call it secret. This is not the only reason why it is called secret, and why it is so. There is another, namely, the mystical wisdom has the property of hiding the soul within itself. For beyond the usual degree of this hiding, the soul is sometimes so absorbed in this secret abyss that it beholds itself distinctly carried away from all created things to a wild and profound solitude where no human being can reach it, to an interminable desert which is the more delicious, sweet, and lovely, the more it is profound, vast, and lonely, and the more secret is the soul, the more it is raised above all created things. The abyss of wisdom so exalts and elevates the soul, bringing it within the course of the science of love, that it makes it not only understand how mean are all created things in relation to the supreme wisdom and divine sense, but also how low defective, and in a certain sense improper, are all the words and phrases by which in this life we discuss divine things, and how utterly impossible by any natural means, however profoundly and learnedly we may speak, to understand and see them as they are, were it not for the light of mystical theology. And so the soul in the light thereof, discerning this truth, namely, that it cannot reach it, and still less explain it by the terms of ordinary speech, justly calls it secret. This property of being secret, and of surpassing all natural capacity, belongs to divine contemplation, not only because it is itself supernatural, but also because it is the guide of the soul to the perfections of union with God, which, not being humanly known, we must reach by being divinely ignorant. For, to use the language of 
mystical theology, these things are neither understood nor known when they are sought, but when they are found and practiced. This is the meaning of the following words of the prophet, There is none that is able to know her ways, nor that can search out her paths. The royal prophet also, speaking of this way of the soul, says, Thy lightnings enlightened the world, the earth shook and trembled, thy way is in the sea, and thy paths in many waters, and thy footsteps shall not be known. All this in its spiritual meaning refers to the subject before us. The lightnings that enlightened the world is the illumination of the faculties of the soul in the divine contemplation. The trembling of the earth is the painful purgation of which it is the cause. To say that the way of God, by which the soul draws near unto him, is in the sea, and his paths in many waters, and therefore cannot be known, is to say that this way to God is secret, and is hidden from the senses of the soul as the way of one who walks over the waters is from the senses of the body, and whose footsteps cannot be known. The footsteps of God in those souls which he is drawing to himself, making them great in the union of his wisdom, have also this peculiarity, that they are not known. Thus we find these words in the book of Job, impressing upon us this truth. Knowest thou the great paths of the clouds, and perfect knowledge? By this are meant the paths and ways of God, in which he makes souls great and perfect in his wisdom. These are meant by the clouds. Contemplation, therefore, by which God guides the soul, is secret wisdom. End of section 32